Mm-hmm. I'm ready. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to the next episode of the podcast, The Tub Hub. My name is Corey Wharton Malcolm, aka Bit Beefy, and I am your host. Now, if you're wondering what this podcast is about, and this is the first time you're listening to it, myself and my guests explore the word help. And it's in a bath. So I get people to come and join me, not in my bathtub, but their own bathtub, and I ask them a series of questions around help. Do they ask for help? When do they ask for help? Do people ask them for help? And of course, how does helping make them feel? Now, because of the times that we're in at the moment, we can't not discuss what is going on in the world. So we're going to discuss the protests, George Floyd, racism, sexism, inequality, absolutely everything. But I've talked far too much. What I'm going to do now is introduce you to a very good friend of mine, an awesome guest who you are going to love, the lovely Diane Larrington. Diane, are you there? Ah, oh, thank you, Cole. Yes, I'm here, and I'm very, very, very excited. Um, I'm just, I was, I'm delighted to be asked to do this, and I just couldn't wait. Just like, oh my god, this is so good! Like, it's just such an interesting thing to be asked to do. And yeah, I can't believe I'm actually in my bath talking to you. <laughs> Madness! Like, it's really just, you know, like usually if if I have a call with someone in the bath, I feel yes. like okay, maybe I shouldn't splash because they might feel a bit like, oh, then they're starting to picture me in the bath. But it's really quite interesting openly just saying, yeah, I'm in the bath and I'm chatting with Paul. It's nice. Amazing. Um, well, thank you for taking time out of your, your life to join me in the bathtub. Um, now, Diane, how do we know each other? Oh, my gosh, Paul. We have known each other since 19 long time. Let me when did we meet? Okay, so you and now the picture is coming into my head of you in your pale yellow warden shirt. Yes. Yep, 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 <laughs> because yep. you were um, a warden for, can I say the name of the council? No, 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 you cannot reveal. You cannot, of all course right. you can. So, all right, so. Um, but, but there needs to be context. I wasn't a warden. <laughs> no, call, call a warden was. Um, would, would suggest I gave out tickets. No, not like that. No, Cole was like one of those really nice people that walked around from the council and he wanted to engage with various aspects of the community, but also we knew that he was there if we needed any support. Um, So he was a community kind of support warden, if that's the right way of describing it. And Corey, along with his lovely colleagues, would pop into a youth centre that I was working at at the time. Shout out to Avenues down in Queen's Park and uh, bloop bloop and um, and Carol all the Carols down there and just all the magnificent <laughs> work. Ledge and Archibald. Indeed indeed legends in game indeed and so um, Cor would come in and just you know chat and find out what we're doing we were running a program called Edutain at the time and also shout out to our joint brethren Eugene um, and so yeah, so we were running Edutain and uh, which was you know for young people aged 8 to 13 from 10 a.m to 3 p.m and Cole would just pop in and chat with us and then it kind of extended he'd spend a bit longer with us chatting with the kids walking around just seeing what we we're doing engaging with us and we just hit it off straight away didn't we we were like having really good chats and then you spent more and more time with us and then you ended up volunteering coming on trips with us and then you ended up working with us yes. <laughs> <laughs> So they was like, okay, forget being a warden. This is way more fun. Yeah. Get a Nike tracksuit is a uniform. So then you came and worked it was with us. It was all a ploy. 
Uh, it was it was so good though, Court. And that's one of the things I have to say that I th I think of your trajectory often. You know, I speak oh. with about you to other people, and you know, I'm so proud. When I was, uh, I remember uh, I think it was a couple of years ago when I was doing some shopping for one of my cadet units, which of course I'll say what I do in a minute. And um, I remember seeing a magazine. I was going down one of the aisles in in the supermarket, and I said, "But oh, wait." Oh my god, that's cool on the front of Runners Weekly or whatever the magazine was. Yeah, and Runners I was World. so there we go. That. With your one with your trademark different coloured socks and yeah. your distinctive look. And I was so proud and I took a photo and was just like, wow. I'm I'm just so proud to see how you've just continued to go from strength to strength. But all of it is based on things that you were passionate with. So of course, yeah. you know, you got into your running after that. So you were passionate about working with us and the young people. And then it continued from there with the running and then track map, you know, run them crew of course and track mafia. So it just, yeah, that's how we started knowing each other. And of course we are joint God. I think we're God parents to not the same yes, children, yeah. but are we're, we're kind of in the God parents crew, aren't we? Of yes, um, and <laughs> from Eugene. Eugene as well. So we've known each other for a minute. <laughs> and and that, yeah. what did, I said it's good fifteen years, I think. Which is crazy because not I had forgotten that I was a city guardian. Of course, I remember that I was a city guardian, but that seems like mm. such an eternity away. And like mm. when I speak to to people and they say, "Oh, like how did you end up in the space that you're in now?" I always like kind of map back to the beginning. And when I say the beginning, as in like right at the beginning when I had no idea whatsoever about what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go, all I knew was that every so often I would tick something off that I didn't want to do. And then I kind of arrived at the space that you and you, and Len, and all the awesome people at Westminster were at. And I was like, oh, what's this thing they're doing? They're working with kids, cool. That could be fun. And I was just genuinely interested. And when you speak to, to young people, adults, anyone, and you say to them, just lead with your passion and like the rest will eventually follow. Like, I know it's a long, hard road, but lead with your passion and like people will follow you because they'll see that you're in it authentically, not for for financial gain or um, don't get me wrong it's awesome to have money however money mm -hmm. will come if you you lead with love as it were absolutely cool i totally agree with you and in fact that's always been my ethos too much to my mum's disappointment <laughs> it <is> something, <laughs> but it is it's something that i think you know it, it definitely um when you're in the the kind of sphere or the realm that you're passionate about then other opportunities present themselves and that's what happened with you yes um so what do you do miss larrington well currently i am a fire cadet coordinator with london fire brigade so uh, yeah i've been doing that for the past three years and what that means is because we have um we have cadet units which are you know the police have their their fantastic police cadets and the army mm. have cadets and sea cadets and all the other uniformed youth organizations like scouts oh. and brownies etc but um a lot of people don't realize that we have fire cadets so um i joined with the brigade three years ago three and a half years ago mm. and did about i think i was with the fire cadet team for about three a year and a half then i moved to yeah. the outreach team and that was um I was working with the team that helps to recruit firefighters and also goes out into the community to just, you know, spread the word, raise awareness of the firefighting role 
and that's amongst people who are I suppose um, not really so aware of it people that are less well presented or represented within the brigade that they want to increase their participation as in women people from black minority ethnic backgrounds too and it is it's such a brilliant role it was a real pleasure of mine and something I was very passionate about um, you know doing that and then I worked with the life program and this is all again still within the brigade and life is a local intervention fire education mm. and that is um, a great program that helps young people to kind of I suppose turn themselves around you know they're referred through schools or um, other sort of avenues and they will come to us for four days work with firefighters on a station and we go through things like consequences of their behavior help them to kind of reflect on challenges that they're facing whether it is behavior or just you know their confidence and then at the end of the four days we have a nice pass out ceremony and off they go so um and what's really nice sorry um sorry with cadets also is that we we dovetail really nicely onto that too so cadets is about young people who don't necessarily want to be firefighters but want to like police cadets or brownies want to do something mm. or scouts positive with their time but also yeah maybe do want to find out a bit more about what it is like within the brigade so yeah, that's what I do. That's amazing. Um, Diane, how like how did you land there? Like, how did you get into that? Like, what was your journey? See, it's funny, Cor, because it's similar to you in that I've always been led by my passion, that it's to be a fashion designer. And I still, <laughs> I, mean, I, still I still like a strong look, as you know, Cor. I like forward <laughs> and yes, you, know, you do. I, I do, I like to try and, you know me, represent, but also equally, I, I love, um, I'm, I'm a creative person at heart, so I've always, you know, sketched or done something, and so I went to college, did that, did my BTEC in fashion, and then when I finished it, thought, actually, I want to do something that's a bit more substantial, mm -hmm. so I wasn't entirely sure at the time what, what it was. So Di, like, how did you, how did you end up um, at the, the fire brigade? Well, cool. It was, um, I suppose, similar to you in that I just, I suppose I followed that trajectory and it happened to be that someone just considered that something might be good for me at that time. And I started, you know, way back working with young people about 23 years ago. Oh, wow. So my path has led me through various, I suppose, routes, but the main connecting thread has been working with young people. Mm -hmm. And then it sort of, so I started, you know, working with Westminster uh, place at the service my aunt said to me she saw an ad in the back of the voice and she said oh you like working with kids why don't you go for this and it really was as simple as that I was like all right then cool because I used to be like the babysitter in the family <laughs> and in fact I'm sure my auntie Pearl still owes me money for that but anyway so I then called up it was Westminster Play Centre Association as they were back then uh -huh. and um, I joined with them went on to run my own play centre we ran a play centre in um, in Queen's Park and yes. then I got involved with Avenues. So, because Carol Legend, shout out to Legend, um, mm. saw me one day just working there and said, oh, why don't you come and help us down at the youth club? We're taking some kids on a trip go-karting. And I said, well, that's yes. not here. They're trying to like coach me. So I'm like, <laughs> both places. Um, <clears throat> and then I got involved in training. So every kind of step of the way, it's been someone saying to me, rather than me, me making a conscious decision to say right this is my goal this is my plan this is what I want to achieve in the next so and so which is kind of where I'm at now at 51 uh -huh. a bit late <laughs> you're not 51 though <laughs> I really am cool 
yeah, yeah, thank you. So, um, so then I got involved in training. I was, you know, training and assessing um, play workers. Play is a, a real passion of mine. So I was a play worker, and then I got into delivering the training, um, and also then I got into assessing. So I was delivering early years and childcare courses, and also then assessing students right across the country mm -hmm. um, with two very nice companies actually crescendo and also i should say pts lovely people who were just really proactive about training up you know people who were passionate about working with children so mm -hmm. through that i thought okay being self-employed is yeah okay this is interesting i was also doing and i still do i do voiceovers um so I, was, <laughs> yeah. so I do that and i've been doing that for i suppose about 10 no more, more than that maybe like 12 years now um, but I had quite a few, I suppose the young people say side hustles yes. and I got to a point where I thought, do you know what? Um, I actually want to do, I want to put all of my energies into one thing. Mm -hmm. And my nephew who works with the brigade said, oh, why don't you do, you know, there's a job coming up in young, with young people. I know that's what you do if you're interested. So applied for that, didn't get it the first time around, but the, one of the people that I, I met, um, there, she strongly recommended that I apply for anything else that came up. That was, uh, <laughs> just like that. <laughs> yeah, she's like, you know what, you were great in the interview, you only missed out by a couple of marks. I suggest that you just apply for anything else because once you're bring you in, in the brigade. Yeah, she said it's easy to move around and she was right, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity once you're in okay. the brigade to really learn more about yourself but also the various different strands of you know an organization that really is an institution you know so we do lots of things around youth engagement um as i mentioned earlier on and we've got um so that's how i then became a fire cadet coordinator so i've been doing that for as i said three and a half years but i still do voiceovers and i'm still really passionate about things like you know i love radio so i've always been doing a bit of um I suppose more as a hobby, really. I, I'm a pundit in <laughs> London. So I love Hold <laughs> on. So as a hobby, there's people breaking their backs out here to break into radio. And you're like, you know what? On Wednesdays, when I'm not up so much, I might sneak onto the radio and just do a show or two. <laughs> well, it's sadly not as... It can be as easy as that, depending <laughs> on what platform of radio station you want to get on to you know like if i wanted to have a weekly show i'm sure i could on a, a maybe lesser known station but i was really thankful and that good friend of mine um paul burke who is he's an author but also a really renowned copywriter paul and i were being paired up one evening um many years ago to to do some punditry to be on joe good show bbc london mm -hmm. and paul said to me oh what do you do you know they said i was going to be on with this youth worker and i was thinking oh god what's he going to be like and paul's very much like that he's just like <laughs> right. no filter no filter at all so anyway, so we were chatting and um, so that's something I would do, do as a hobby. But I also told him at the time I was doing voiceovers mm -hmm. and he said, OK, well, I'll get you an agent. So he helped me to kind of secure my agent and to be more stable where that's concerned. But with the radio stuff, that sort of with BBC London, they are. I really love doing that sort of thing. It's a, it's something that I do. I'm passionate about, but equally, I didn't, I suppose. I suppose I haven't really. It's not my calling. I know I'm going to sound very hippy dippy and warning. I no, will at no, certain no, points no. throughout this conversation call we're because you know, I'm kind of I'm at that. <laughs> we're in the bath. It's relaxed. Plus, you know what I mean. I'm at that point in my life, and lockdown has been an incredible journey for me. I have to say. Oh, so, tell us more yeah. about that, please. Well, what do you want to hear now? Because I know, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I remember well, my um, questions. I'll throw them in when I need to. 
yeah you do that i know you like to mix and blend anyway cool we just go with the flow so yeah. yeah it's um lockdown's been interesting because i was actually in the middle of running a program over at the fire brigade when you know we found out of course we had to just stop so it was almost like we've been in suspended animation if you like since march i've been working from home since then however it's been a really interesting time for every organization, not just ours in that we've had to find more creative ways to keep young people engaged, you know, and that's been the, yeah, that's, that's the real thing because um, work-wise it's been interesting because we've, I suppose, had to be, and I've had to challenge myself to think, okay, what's this newfangled Zoom thing of which they speak? (laughs) (laughs) And as I said to you at the top of the conversation, when I was like fiddling around and trying to figure out different controls and stuff, my daughter is my technical advisor and she left home a couple of years ago. So I've just been stuck since then. I've just been finding my way around various technical things. So I've had to figure out things like that and get more comfortable with them. But equally, it was a challenging time for me personally because my, my grandma died um just at the end of march yeah thanks cool so it was something that you know my nan and i were very very close she was you know like my second mum and she was 96 and i'm 51 said so i've had her for my entire life and uh, she had dementia so you know thankfully i i do unfortunately know quite a few people who have lost loved ones through covid19 you know we also know you know lovely ty rest his in soul yeah. rest his soul he passed away from it too so it's something that has really been quite close to home but my nan had dementia and so we were kind of preparing for it so that was something that was very challenging at a time where our culture i mean like you call my, my family are jamaican yeah. and it's a really kind of strange thing to be experiencing grief but mm. you have to do it as a solo kind of thing yep you know no, so night, night. no. that's right no coming in and out of the house and you know my granddad he's 98 and thankfully we still have him two dons 96 and 98 like (laughs) what yeah they're amazing shout out to to our older generation that's crazy 96 and 98 Mm -hmm. i know we're so lucky we really have longevity you know in our family we've got some good genes and so yes the lockdown was was strange because i had to sort of get a grip on my grief but equally then we had to also be conscious of my granddad and his safety. And, mm-hmm. you know, we did the best that we could. We were still very lucky. We were able to kind of get in there before regulations changed around funerals. So we were able to have a, a nice send off for Nan and um, we'll, you know, we'll do something on a larger scale for her next year to kind of commemorate her life, if you like. And yeah, so that, that was a thing to get my head around. And then that was, I think, Think, do you know what that's interesting because I was thinking about your questions in advance mm-hmm. and I was thinking you know about asking for help and I did actually ask for help at that point you because see, you've, led, you've led perfectly into the next question you see I told you we'd get there <laughs> <laughs> yes cool we did and so I had to ask for help because I thought okay it's it's in our DNA as black women as black people to be very stoical particularly the women and this is not being sexist this is just being I'm being, you know, I'm speaking from my experience Mm -hmm. and from how I've been raised. And it's, you know, we're very much the backbones of the family. My grandma was very much the matriarch. You know, my mum was very much kind of within our home. She set the tone Mm -hmm. for things, for the behaviour. My mum is the reason I don't speak patois because she was like, you're going to speak properly. It was the Queen's English. Yes. And look how it has done you well. 
Well, I thank you, Corey. I thank you because she was the one that said, you know, it's not water, it's water, Diane. Ask yeah. for water. So, you know, my mum and, and all our mums, you know, if we're thankful and lucky to have them in our lives, they are the, the matriarchs. So it's, um, it's hard to ask for help, you know, when you're seen as being the person that everyone goes to for help or that you're seen as being the one who is that backbone and that stoical person who is able to shoulder everything and keep going and fry the fish and you know, rub the back and, and make the tea and just do all of that stuff and keep everybody going. But I just thought, I, I can't. I actually need some, some, excuse me, some help. So I access counselling, which I'm really fortunate we're able to do so through working with the brigade. We have an amazing counselling and wellbeing team mm -hmm. and I was able to access their services. And um, you don't have to answer this, but feel free to. Is that the first time that you have access counselling? It actually isn't cool, being honest with you. Um, it isn't. And again, that's something because, you know, because like I said, because we're in the bath, you're quite right. This is an amazing premise and it does work. Because... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did I get you that? <laughs> you got me because I'm just... It's just me, you and Dilbert, the dark so I'm just sharing, you know. But also, I think it's something... I've certainly become more open about sharing my mm -hmm. mental health journey. And I think it's something we, we should be. There, sh there needs to, to be less of a stigma around asking for help when you feel that you need it. And so I have in the past accessed, you know, counselling services. And I see it as a way of, you know, if I, if I drink my Yakult in the morning and if I do yoga and do all of that stuff and kind of try and eat healthily apart from the odd slice of nice cake and you know stuff like that <laughs> then why why too don't i go and do, do a bit of counseling and just have like a sort of mental mot every now and then just to make sure i'm i'm running at optimum level or, or i'm able to work things out that maybe my, my friends can't help me work out you know so i think there's no shame in that and it's something that, that i wholeheartedly advocate i think it's a good thing that is such an amazing way of articulating it and I've never heard it articulated in such a way I've heard people try and articulate it like that but never never so beautifully and oh, that you. is and and that's the truth it's like we eat well we we sleep we talk about all of these things so why are we not having a MOT on our mind um, mm -hmm. I think we just found the title of the um the podcast um, <laughs> <laughs> MOT for the mind <laughs> um, now, has that level of understanding both about your yourself um, and I guess the workings of the world, has that come over years or is this a decision that you would have made 20 years ago? Yeah, I think I think 20 years ago, I would have made the decision, but from a different standpoint. Okay. So I think the first time I accessed counselling services was probably about maybe like 15, 15, 16 years ago. Uh -huh. And that was something because I was going through a particular situation at the time where I felt, okay, I, you know, I need to speak with someone. But I think back then, counselling services won't, or, or even mental health wasn't spoken about in the same no. way that it is now. No. You know, so if you think about now, we just can speak about it matter-of-factly. Even this evening, I was just scrolling through Twitter and I saw that Matt Haig, who wrote... I think he's written a book about sleep. I know he's written a few books that are supposed to be really good, and I haven't. I bought so many books over lockdown. Call that's so another thing books. I've done and so read. Books. I've read about six books. It's been fantastic. So um, <laughs> it really has. I'll tell you about those in a bit. But it's it's something he he actually openly you know tweeted that 
um, I think he said it was 10 years ago he was diagnosed as having acute anxiety and depression and then he kind of said something else but he basically was charting his journey to now being this best-selling author and he was really you know proud of that so we've certainly come a long way so back then I wouldn't have viewed it in the same way but now um, it's something that even my counsellor you know the last bout of counselling that I had which I finished about three or four weeks ago Mm -hmm. and she said to me do you know what Diane you've done amazingly well because what I did call was alongside having my counseling Mm -hmm. i was accessing stuff on youtube which is just an amazing there's a lot of madness on youtube as well let's be honest there's some real like ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) some real foolishness that you can go down a rabbit hole and just be like wow that was two hours just looking at like afro dance moves or just like stuff that's just really like it's great but it's not really that edifying or it isn't really gonna kind of you're not gonna take it into real life you know, but the thing is, Di, is you are going to take it into your real life. And when I say you are going to take it into your real life, whenever people ask me, like, what inspires you or like, say, for instance, I did an event and they'd be like, oh, like, what inspired you to do this event? More often than not, the inspiration has come from some ridiculous YouTube video or Instagram video. Like, they'll say to me, oh, what's your favorite running channel to watch? And my response more often than not is I don't really watch a lot of running. I don't really engage with a lot of things that are immediately or directly connected, I guess, to my sport. Because, like, everyone's looking at that stuff. So I want to see, like, the Afrobeats dancing so I can put those into drills for running. Mm. I hear that, core. I hear what you're saying. And, in fact, you're such an, I don't know if the right word because I'm never quite, I'm never quite sure of the meaning of this word, but I like it because I love words, as you know. <laughs> Go on. Esoteric. So Ooh. you're quite an esoteric person, and you quite, um, you really, you don't operate in a linear fashion, and I like no. that. Like you're very unconventional, which we yeah. know. We knew that from morning. <laughs> but it's just, <laughs> that's linear like. frustrates me. I'm <laughs> right, and so it should. Linear is boring. Like it is just so boring. It's something I've become. I've again become a real advocate of neurodiversity and just being just who you are and I think that's a beautiful thing to embrace so yeah you just kind of take your inspiration wherever it is it's a, it's a wonderful thing you know where you just kind of think okay this is the thing that sparks my interest I'm going to go with that so yes. you know I suppose with YouTube what sparked my interest was um, a friend of mine in fact he said to me he was talking about you know relationship he was going through and he said it's broken up because he that the person he was with unfortunately was a narcissist and well, I said oh really oh well I've heard the word but <laughs> oh like what that means I've not so, actively met one right but I have called yeah, and once no, I've you learn that narcissist boy it's like you can't unsee a yeah. narcissist once you know what to look for we are surrounded by we are governed by narcissists let me just say so um yeah, I started um, going down this rabbit hole of different videos on YouTube and found some amazing stuff by this incredible psychologist called Dr. Ramani Devasala. Mm-hmm. And she does all these great bite-sized videos, you know, like maybe 10, 15 minutes long about narcissism, mm-hmm. the various aspects of it. So if you're in a relationship with a narcissist, <laughs> yes. if you're like, been, if you've been raised by a narcissist, um, if your boss is a narcissist, just all different aspects, but also the different terms of so gaslighting, which I know you mm-hmm. spoke about with your sister, Janine, who yes. that podcast was fantastic. And it was just so Thank interesting. You. She's amazing. She is just fantastic. I mean, shout out to Lynn as well. You've done an amazing job. Mom's with the kids. 
she really has like just the two of you it was such a great conversation to listen to and just Janine as a mental health practitioner talking about those things was it was so kind of like not just matter of fact it was very just approachable easy language yes and so Dr Ramani I like people that just speak in a way that you can just access the language you have to like go for the thesaurus and kind of like or go for the dictionary like oh I like <laughs> to learn a new word but I kind of want to know like don't be speaking Latin like I want to know what you're talking about so anyway, I started kind of getting into that stuff. And alongside what I was going through in my counselling, my um, what I was learning on YouTube, <clears throat> excuse me, through various people such as, you know, Pastor R.C. Blakes, who's a brilliant pastor, who's quite funny as well. And he's like having a sort of uncle just tell it to you straight. Yes. You know? <laughs> so he kind of delivers like, and always very dapper, has a great hat, like always a good look and stuff. But so I got into his videos, he was very interesting. Tony Gaskins and his wife Cherie Gaskins, um, great videos on there. So alongside counseling, I was kind of doing my own counseling at home and uh -huh. just sort of supplementing what I was going through. And I found that really helpful just to sort of then digest information from different, you know, different uh, avenues, if you like, you know. So would you recommend um, others go for counselling and do similar things to yourself? As in, so when I spoke to Janine, she kind of said that she believes from both a professional and a personal opinion that everybody should have therapy or counselling of some kind. Mm -hmm. I was, I was like going, yes, exactly. Like when I was like, <laughs> like yeah, that's right, Janine. Yeah, they should. Totally. I 100% agree with her. It's something that I think I've said it, you know, oftentimes before, I think everyone should have it because it is something that you kind of like stop. And it's funny because I remember when she was saying that and she was saying, you learn about attachment. I was like, yes, because that was my latest <laughs> that I've stumbled across, like the attachment theory. Uh -huh. So, you know, having gone through, I, I sort of went through a journey, if you like, starting with the, the mental health and counselling aspect of things and looking inward, doing all that inner work. But then I started looking backwards and thinking about relationships, you know, relationships I've been in, what's the common thread, and then looking at different relationship kind of advisors and stuff online. Like I said, you know, Tony Gaskins, et cetera, Derek Jackson. Again, he's very like no nonsense, he's brilliant. Um, and I also bought their books, so that was good. And then it's it's one of those things where I know that I've benefited from because I've got all this information. I've really I, I definitely know I'm not the same person that I was when I started lockdown. Um, now, do people come to you for help, Diane? Yes, yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> Every single one of my guests has done that, like, deep inhale <laughs> and, like, spoken underneath their breath. They're like, yes. <laughs> so, please tell us. Yeah, well, again, you see, having that strong back, you know, that strong Capricorn Jamaican back means that I have been, I suppose I'm just, I'm a very empathetic person, you know, and I, I really, I love to help people. And it's something, and I know that's something we'll go on to talk about in a bit, but it's really, in, in terms of, I suppose, my role within my friendship group, within my family, it has often been the person that if someone needs help with something, they'll call me, you know, so um, even just this weekend, I had a house guest this weekend, which was Roly the Shih Tzu. Uh, <laughs> Roly is my stepdog. He's my cousin's dog. And, uh -huh. you know, it's a mutually beneficial relationship there because Brilliant. I'll take Roly from my cousin Tabinia um, and, and then, you know, her partner Greg and say, right, can I have Roly for a weekend? Helps them enormously because they don't have to do the dog walking first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. And then I get to have his little bit of company in the flat, which is just lovely. He's delightful and he's just mm -hmm. a real little personality. So... 
I like to help people, but, but also what I've realized is that you actually have to also help yourself first. Yes. So I had to, that's what I've been doing throughout lockdown. There were times when I was not being asked for help, but I knew that someone maybe needed help, but I just couldn't give it to them. I wasn't at that point, you know, regarding my grief, as I mentioned earlier, or just regarding what I was going through. Mm -hmm. I kind of had to have a minute to decompress, to digest, to just sort of rebuild myself. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I suppose thinking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, I had to kind of go through that point where I'm, I'm at the point the top of the, the pyramid now where I'm at self-actualization yeah. so I had to say right I'm being all that I can be I'm really quite I suppose um yeah I feel whole I feel really quite happy in my skin content ready to kind of like get back out there so I can now offer my assistance again and so it's yeah it's something that I definitely get asked to do and I'm, and I'm happy to help I love helping people um, now, do you think it's quite important to find balance in the way that you just mentioned? Because as Janine also mentioned in our podcast, there's, there's, there's compassion fatigue, as it were. And people are, are so helpful and so empathetic. They give away a lot of their energy and, and they don't think about themselves as much yes. at times. And again, that was the point where I was going, yes, Janine, like nodding away. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because it's true. She was absolutely right. And it is something where, you know, you can you can give so much of yourself that you have nothing left for yourself. And I think that's something, again, that as women, we do it often. You know, there's uh, I think it's like a Maoist or some there's some quote from I think it is actually a communist quote. But essentially it was sort of co-opted by the feminist movement in the 60s. And it was mm -hmm. women hold up half the sky. But the thing is there's a burden in that as well. The sky gets really heavy because yes. then what if the person holding the other half walks off and then your That's what this podcast up. is called. That's what this podcast is called. <laughs> and it's really heavy, you know? And so I got to that point where I was just like, okay, I, I just, I can't help anybody else right now. And so not everybody gets to that point. I realised that I'm trying to almost convince other people in my life that it's not good to be a martyr you've got to stop you've got to go off for a spa weekend or yeah. just not answer your phone for a whole day or just say no sometimes like I think yeah. we feel guilty sometimes as women but also particularly I'm speaking culturally now you know again yeah. as a black woman there is that that guilt associated sometimes with with saying no with kind of just not being there for someone how you might be viewed and I know that in the past, I felt a certain level of guilt of not, not assisting someone when they needed it. But recently, I've kind of learned to, to shed that guilt, you know, and to kind of say, not in, a, not in a horrible way, not in a narcissistic or selfish way, but just in a way that's saying, okay, you know what, um, I can't help you this time, but give me such and such and maybe I can, like a, a week or so, or, you know, just kind of being reasonable about it, but equally recognising that actually... Like they do on the airplane, you have to put on your air, your oxygen mask first. Yes, you have to take care of yourself you. first. There we go, Cor. Mm -hmm. um, now, you've obviously spoken about um, things that happened during COVID-19. Now, we've been dealing with the protests, with the murder, the death of George Floyd. Like, how has that been for you? Oh, that was tough. That was really tough. I remember that weekend so clearly. Um, because on the Sunday, I remember I couldn't listen to anything on the radio. I remember I just listened to news and I watched CNN like the whole day. 
And I remember even because, you know, I've gotten very much into my yoga since I've, you know, since lockdown and I, I practice. Shout out to Adrienne Yoga on YouTube. Amazing. So every morning, Adrienne and Benji, her dog, um, I'll get up and like, put a video. <laughs> yeah. And I'll do like my, you know, I, I'll do yoga because that's part of me, I suppose, reconnecting to myself, but also rebuilding myself, you know, holistically, not just the diet, but the mental health and the body, everything. And I remember that weekend. I, I was wearing an orange head wrap because, you know, orange is the sacral color of the sacral, sacral chakra. I'm very much into my chakras core. And it was so like, right, color. Educate them. Yeah, you know, your chakras are your energy centers. Yes. And it's very, very important. So, you know, you start with the root chakra at your base, base of your spine, and you've mm. got to the sacral chakra, which is in your sort of lower stomach. Mm. Um, then you've got the solar plexus chakra. So you've got red orange and then it goes up to green then you've got uh the throat no heart chakra which yeah. i believe is oh green sorry i've got yellow mm. yellow is the solar plexus there we go green is the heart chakra then throat chakra is blue and then your crown chakra is you know like purple uh, violet indigo something and then your crown chakra is white so colours affect your mood. Again, I told mm. you I'm going to get into HBTP territory. I told you that <laughs> That's fine. I warned you. So I, you know, like a bit of colour therapy. So I was wearing an orange head wrap and it still wasn't working. I felt so mm. low and so sad and just so flat. I couldn't listen to anything on the radio that would usually lift my spirits. I felt really heavy. And I just remember even like, I think work the next day, I just... I just felt this heaviness. I felt immense sadness. I was crying a lot. And I just, I was trying to comprehend just, yeah. firstly, I was thinking, why do I feel like this? And then I didn't even have to question myself for too long because it was almost like I was plugged into everything that every other black person was feeling yeah. at that point. We were all plugged in to the same kind of feeling system. And yeah. we were all just wounded and sad and tired and just like, why has this happened again? And what was really awful was, of course, we know this has happened. We know, you know, Philando Castile, and we know Brianna Taylor. We know all the different deaths that we've unfortunately seen. Um, and it just was, I just was exhausted and just, it, uh, but I was weary in a way that I felt I hadn't been before, you know? Yeah. I was so deeply saddened to my core. So it really shook me. But then what was really difficult was, then we had COVID and the mm. protests. So I faced a very difficult decision and I thought, okay, do I go on the march? Mm -hmm. I've never been on a march before. Mm. And I thought, do I go? If, if there's ever time to go on a march, it's now. Yeah. But my family were dead against it because I also care for my granddad. You know, I go around and I'll stay at the house and, yeah. and I just, I couldn't risk it. And I really felt just in such conflict in a way that I never had before because I wanted to be there, but I couldn't be there because I had to think about my health because of course we're in, we're in the, the ethnic bracket our ethnicity puts us at a higher risk than anybody else you know so i had to think about that but it really it just yeah it really impacted on me it really did um now because all of the i guess the talk about racism like people are actually now talking about it i know mm. that sounds incredibly strange but for the first time in my lifetime I feel comfortable like looking someone in the eye <laughs> or looking at someone through a Zoom call and saying, yeah, that was that was uh, that was racist. And this is how I felt. And I think 
it's it's empowering, but at the same time, it's a really strange feeling because you then kind of track back to all of the situations that you've been in that you know were <laughs> full, full blown racism, but you couldn't act, you couldn't say anything, you kind of just brushed it off and, and got on with it. Mm -hmm. I think it, it kind of, it, and I'm, I'm with you on that as well, Cor, it's something that, you know, I had, I remember saying to, to, um, to one of my friends, another one of my friends I was chatting with at the time, and I said to her, I've never had so many conversations about race in my entire life. Yeah. Like, it just was astonishing. Um, but also, it was, on one hand, it was encouraging, and I always try and look at, you know, the glass is half full, lemonade, lemon into lemonade. <laughs> I try and keep positive, and, you know, I always try and look at the learning in any situation and see what we can take from it moving forward. And I just... I thought, okay, let's let's at least know that we're we're open. Like you say, you can openly say that to someone now, whereas mm -hmm. you wouldn't have been able to say it so comfortably maybe two years ago or a year ago even. So there's that in that yes, we can openly discuss these things. But then there's also something that occurred to me called I heard about called code switching, and that's oh. where you know, like you 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 have one persona perhaps mm -hmm. in the world of work, mm -hmm. and then uh, you yes. have your own kind of like who you yeah. are with your friends and your family. Mm -hmm. So. That's, I think that's something that we've also, that was part of that fatigue in that, okay, now you see what we've been going yes. through. Now you can understand. And I had some really interesting conversations with, you know, white friends of mine who were just like, just astonished and apologetic. And even, you know, a couple were a bit tearful and saying, I'm sorry, Di, I had no idea that you were going through this. And I said, well, it's not your fault. You know, it's really nice that you care and you want to know more. And that, that was a really good starting point. Do you know what my thing is, Di? With respect to everybody who has, like, spoken, my thing is, how how do you not know? How did you not know? <laughs> how, how have you not seen? Um, like, I've had some, I've had similar conversations and I've, I've had other conversations where some of my white friends have come forward and they've said, yeah, this situation that happened at this point and that time, I've thought about it and yeah that was racist <laughs> mm -hmm. and you then kind of say to them yeah like that's <laughs> <laughs> that's my reality when yeah, I that that's door. my day to day <laughs> they're like wow yeah. and they're then like they're then doing the work themselves and what they're amazed at is like the more they flick back through the pages of the comic book they're like raw this page was tainted this page was tainted mm -hmm. and you didn't notice like you notice but it's one of those things where like you you, you see it but you have you you avoid it <laughs> for whatever reason um, or or it might not even just be on your radar so to speak yes. it might not be in your, your you know we all kind of operate in our little bubbles our worlds where we're just in our own world and you can go about your life in a very blinkered fashion where mm. you just kind of don't really notice anything unless it relates to you directly you know if it's in yeah. your face and calling your name you're just going to kind of just switch off and be in your own little world but then i think also it is about maybe what your belief system is so you know you've got that cycle of belief where um i can't remember the whole cycle but i know one of it is like you've got that central belief mm -hmm. and then the next thing is you look for actions to validate that belief yeah. And then it, it kind of goes around and that you, the actions then continue to validate that belief. So if you say, you know, like us, you're raised in, I, I was raised to always be the best at whatever I did. Yeah. You know, my mum said, it doesn't matter what you do. I don't care what you do. Just be the best at it, you know, mm -hmm. and really give it 100%. But she also taught me to 
just travel wherever I wanted to to go to if it was the Ritz or go wherever and just kind of like she said you can have a cup of tea she always said you can have a cup of tea in the Ritz and just sit there you don't have to spend a fortune and you can watch <laughs> the world go by and you learn about how other people live you can always yeah. do that because my mum's very like proper so it's really very bougie I think it would be the right term as I'm proud as well mom. my mum is the original bad and bougie and I'm bad and bougie junior <laughs> so <laughs> and I embrace that I love it so it's really about I suppose what you're seeing and and I I would in a way not be blind to it but i think i was more quite cosmopolitan in my outlook and maybe some people are are in that way and that then they're not noticing oh the microaggressions yeah. that if you actually have that in your kind of the back of your mind regardless of mm. how much of a rainbow tribe your friends are or how mm. cosmo your world is or how many different types of food you eat regardless of that it's still going to kind of trigger something in you and you're going to be like, oh, hang on, but you said good morning, sir, to the person that you served in front of me, but you didn't address me in that way. Yes. You know, little things like that, I notice, you know, in terms of the, the difference, or I'm walking around the shop and, oh, the security guard seems to have taken a bit of a shine to me. <laughs> <laughs> and so I hold anything. I still do it now, and I worked in retail yeah. for a while, you know, and it's kind of like I hold things in a visible, in like within someone's eyeline. Yeah, so they can't see that. it. Mm -hmm. So you can see what I've got in my hands very clearly. So it's it's one of those things, if you're not aware of it, then it's it's not going to be on your radar. But equally, there are some people I think who maybe, you know, they might have thought, oh, but been a bit uncomfortable. And then if you've yeah. not raised it, then they've just thought, okay, well, they're, they're probably all right. And just <laughs> they're probably all right, they're good. <laughs> yeah, and just let it go. I mean, who, who knows, you know, but I think the good thing is that if we can confidently and openly say to someone that this is a situation that I just don't feel comfortable with and I actually feel that it is because of my race and it isn't, there's no other factor that could be at play here. I'm yeah. not just, because there's, you know, people say, oh, you're playing the race card. That is something that bothers me greatly when you say, when yep. anyone says that, because I think it dismisses a lot of things that are structurally really wrong with institutions or systems or organizations and it excuses a lot of very damaging behavior you know but i think uh, and and also it, it kind of going back to what your you know your very learned sister was saying it gaslights people you know you can't mm -hmm. to quote your sister never doubt someone else's reality <laughs> yeah, yeah. janine had bars like she really did she, she was absolutely right so what is our reality or my reality as a black woman going into one particular environment is not necessarily that of my best friend who is a white Polish woman, you know? And prior to this, had the two of you discussed situations such as these? Do you know, it's funny because we haven't really. No, it's interesting that we've spoken about all sorts of things and we have really busy lives and, she, you know, she's my daughter's godmother and mm -hmm. she's like my sister. We're really close. We've been friends since we were 18, so that's like 30 odd years of friendship. Mm -hmm. But no, we, we haven't really. I suppose we've always spoken about our lives like we'd have our weekly you know dinner and just sit and have a good old chat and glass of wine and just you know chat and stuff and mm. dissect and just go through all of our things and then we sort of leave each other feeling a lot better having mm. just gotten our stuff out we say we put our marigolds on and sort our stuff out so um it's really it's something though that we haven't and i don't know it wasn't something that i felt that i needed to raise mm. and it's something equally that i haven't shied away from yes it's interesting because it's interesting you even asking me that 
<laughs> it is cool. You got me thinking I'm, now because I've, I've had that I'm chat in my, with my interview, my interview uh, friend bath mode. Yeah, I like it. I like it. It's very. It's like Paxman slash. No, it's not Paxman because Paxman no. was hardcore back in the day. Yeah. No, you're like <laughs> Michael Parkinson. You're like Michael Parkinson slash Oprah. It's really nice. Yes. It's a nice combo because oh, you're, you're kind you. of exploring, but in a very gentle way yes. it's making me want to kind of think more about these things <laughs> yes um now one other question or maybe two other questions um mm -hmm. when i asked uh, earlier on like if you ask for help you said that recently you went and spoke to a counselor so my next question to you is do you ever ask for help locally i guess from friends and family like you don't have to tell me what for but do you ever go to like friends and family for non-physical help i.e not to move house or not to, to help with shopping or you know not that sort of stuff do you ask for like emotional help from close friends do you know what it's funny core because i did recently and it's something that i i i was actually again i'll be honest it was prompted by knowing that you were doing this podcast <laughs> it prompted me but also prior to that it was something that i just thought no die there's no shame in asking for help mm -hmm. and so it was you know someone who's become a really good friend of mine we're in a relationship and we're really good friends now mm -hmm. and it was a particular situation i was going through and i thought no you know what he'll he'll know he'll just be perfect to ask this of and mm -hmm. i just thought I, I don't know the answer to this particular situation it really bothered me Mm -hmm. And I thought, he's had this experience, you know, in, in what I know about him, I know he'd gone through exactly the same situation and I knew that he'd give me a really good insight. And so, I, you know, I just messaged him and I actually said, I use that word. And that's the thing, that's what struck me because I thought, I don't do that call. I don't yeah. actually ask people for help because I'm used to being the one that people go to for help and offering help. So for me to kind of stop and go, actually you know what darling you need a bit of help that mm. was a big thing for me and it was a very liberating thing i have to say mm. and it was lovely it was he was great he was so 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 helpful his help was invaluable um and it was really good kind of just opening up to someone and i show, i suppose showing my vulnerability that's something i've learned about throughout lockdown as well renee mm -hmm. brown has some brilliant ted talks love a ted talk and um you know she talks about the power of vulnerability Mm -hmm. And that's something, again, that I've really embraced, just that it's it's all right to, you know, I, I know you said this in that podcast with Janine, it's okay to not be okay, yeah. but equally, it's okay to just go, you know what, I actually don't know the answer to this, or actually, I can't quite do this myself, mm -hmm. so would you mind giving me a bit of help? And some people are just waiting for that opportunity, yes. <laughs> you know, for you to kind of lean on them, and without sounding sexist, sometimes men really do as well, men love it, and... It's, it's kind of, it's interesting. I think it almost like I've been learning about the hero instinct recently. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I find really interesting because sometimes I think as women, we can emasculate men by not asking for help. And that's because, of course, you know, it's big 2020. We can do everything. You know, I, mm -hmm. I change my own light bulbs. I can do all of that stuff. I'll screw it. I've got my whole tool set. You know, I could do everything myself. But there are some things I can't. And so I might buy in that service or maybe, you know, if my dad's in the country, ask him to help me, but he's, he's getting older now. But I've realized that it's something where if you don't ask a man sometimes for help, they can feel a bit like a bit of a spare part or a bit like, okay, what's my role? And it, it can kind of ignite 
not not to be like I'm not to say like in fact I was joking with this friend of mine I said to him sorry to be a bit Penelope pit stop like <laughs> to the training track <laughs> like hey <you're... laughs> you know and I don't mean to be like I'm not a helpless woman in that way you're not a damsel in distress I'm not thank you called that's the phrase I'm looking for I'm not a damsel in distress at all but equally I was a woman that at that point just needed someone's assistant and it happened to be a man and he was great and it was really nice to have an open conversation but also rather than it being one of my female friends you know a good man who was able to give me amazing advice and yeah it was it was very empowering I found it really empowering I'd like I'd like to probe a little bit deeper about the emasculating men piece as mm. I have I've heard that phrase before and when I say that phrase I know what emasculating men means but with regards to to not asking them to do stuff or making them feel helpless mm. um can you tell me a little bit more about that guy if you know yeah I just feel like I suppose in my in my sort of basic experience um in my limited experience I should say um and what I know of it I I think it's something where men can and I've seen this even with you know people in in particular partnerships and I've seen that you know they're like oh no I'm not going to ask him to do that you're just going to mess it up anyway (laughs) (laughs) you know like not asking their yeah not asking their husband to to do something in a particular way because they think that they're not going to do it as well as they would like it done but men oftentimes anyone wants to be helped but particularly with men i feel that there's there's that primal instinct that hunter-gatherer instinct and okay i know as women we're the nurturers but equally we are capable we know this i work with female firefighters who do the job just as well as men that's why they get paid the same it's one sector that i can think of where there is no gender pay gap you know so the female firefighters are as competent and you know, as um, good at their job as the male firefighters. But equally, I think it's something where men can feel a bit like, okay, what do you need me for then? You know, and if you're not feel, if you don't feel like you're needed mm-hmm. in your home or needed by someone, mm-hmm. then you can feel a little bit lost. You know, and I think yes. dads definitely, um, you know, they they do want to change nappies and and te- pick up the kids from school and and cook things and and do things and and even if they do it badly like just let someone do it. it's like children working with young people children young people it's the same thing that i used to and i don't mean that in a patronizing way like switching from men to children like i really don't <laughs> I, I really don't subscribe to that whole like oh men are like big children i don't subscribe to that you know as one of my you know dearest friends yes. i have lots of male friends I, I love you all i think you're all fantastic and you are all very strong capable men who are also loving and kind and just a great laugh and soft people and just lovely to be with but equally oh, I think you, um, you are cool I love having you know like and that's something I've missed actually during lockdown not being able to just meet up and have a curry like we normally would yes you know? yeah so um but it's it's something that um with children if we t- if we tie their own laces for them mm-hmm. how do they ever learn how to tie them then themselves yeah. they have to make mistakes so you've got to then, you know, that's what I did with my own daughter. She had to learn and make her own mistakes and kind of have that, that freedom to, 
to go wrong and to feel like, okay, you know what? It's not the end of the world if I've burnt a pot of rice whilst learning how to cook rice. <laughs> it's really not. You know what I mean? Like, okay, let's wash out the pot. Let's put a bit, of, let's bread, you know, a bit of bread in the bottom. Let's kind of like, we did all those tricks, put the vinegar in, get rid of the burn stain and let's uh -huh. start again. All right. So it's about learning, but it's also about empowering that person and making everyone wants to feel needed. We yep. have of those human needs, you know, we want to feel significant and significance, you know, certainty, uncertainty, making contribution. I can't remember the others, but they're crucial needs that we have as human beings that if they're not met in some way, you feel a bit adrift. We're on problems. We really are. Yeah. We're on problems. You know, yeah. I like to, to switch back to the, <laughs> no, to man, the other side. Like, We're in problems. We are. It could just be arms, arms house, because it's like, okay, you, but you don't need me. So, all right, you said you didn't need me, but now you're complaining that I'm out all the time. Aye, that's it. You know, but actually I do need you to just put the kids to sleep or to do, the, to mop the floor, even if it's going to be wet and I'm slipping in suds, or do the dishes <laughs> even though you use half just the bottle. Just something. Yeah, like, I don't know why. And there are some men, I mean, you know, the, the last relationship I was in, the man that I was with, he was incredibly house prep. He is... The tidiest man I've ever been with, like really just amazingly to a fault. So it's not like he's a sloppy man that would need a woman to come in and give the quote unquote feminine touch to his house. And he's a very capable man. And I don't mean it in that patronizing way at all. I mean, like just making, helping someone to feel significant in your life and yes. in the role that they have in your life in some small way. Even if you have to just go, you know what, I know I can do this thing, but I'm going to ask this person because I know that they want to. And it's going to make them feel amazing to be able to help me to do do it. Excuse me. Um, now, Di, mm. my house is like my mind. Just stuff everywhere. Mm -hmm. I bet it's, it is. it's so, it's like, it's, it's chaotic calm, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It makes those two words kind of exist side by side for me, cool. But I hear what you're <laughs> organized chaos. So for you, you're 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 cool with it. But if I walked in, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I I'd just be walking straight back out. Yeah. Hey, do you think people can just come to my house? Like people can't just come to my house because because of the the, the calm and the chaos. Like you need a two or three day announcement so I can. <laughs> <laughs> Um, now to our final question though, all of these wonderful things that we have spoken about to do with help do you think that they all help with your mental well-being does it give you balance oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah definitely because you know if you okay so tracking back thinking firstly accessing help you know being proactive initially mm. and holding your hand up and admitting that you actually do need some kind of support. Mm -hmm. That's a really big thing, but you've got to get to that point. And also there's, you've got to kind of suspend any sort of shame or stigma that you feel around that, you know, that helps enormously. I think then also um, being proactive and also being, um, yeah, just kind of seeking other information, you know, just not putting all your eggs in one basket, thinking, all right, what other books are out there? Who else can I talk to? What interesting other things can I find out about myself? Um, being reflective is, is really important as well. 
Um, yes. What was the question again, Cor? ADHD, Cor, ADHD. I'll lose so, my train. So the question, the question, the question is, I'll ask the question again. Yeah. So, Dai, um, we spoke about <laughs> some, some awesome things in the, the podcast. And I guess my final question to you is, all of these things that we have spoken about to do with help, whether that's giving help or receiving help, has that helped with your mental well-being? Has that helped you to find balance? It has helped me enormously because I, yeah, where I began my journey, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier on, even to where I am now, I know that I'm not the same woman. I have grown exponentially. Like it's just, it's something that I feel, yeah, it's, it's been really good. I've been able to ask for help, be proactive, reflect, put it into practice. And as a result, I feel, but also equally be vulnerable, you know, mm. admit when maybe, okay, you know what? Oh, okay. On reflection, maybe that was me. <laughs> and I have to own <laughs> up to a couple of personality quirks, shall we say, that might yes. have contributed to um, past situations, perhaps in relationships. That's you know, amazing. and that, that, take, that took a bit of, that took a bit of bravery, but also a bit of, yeah, honesty, you know. Um, I need so I need that sentence on a t-shirt. <laughs> what was it? Which personality one? personality quirks that may have what? <laughs> Worked against me in past relationships. Yes, in past relationships. That's, if that's if that's not something someone would say in a court of law, I do, I do not know what it is. So my clients <laughs> personality quirks that may or may not. Yeah, it's something um, that I I really, yeah, I I had to hold my hand up to and say, okay, but then let's look further into that little personality quirk diet. Okay, is it, you know, the ADHD, which, you know, I I think I mentioned to you before we started um, our conversation properly. I was diagnosed when I was 47 and I'm 51 now. So it's something that came very late in life with lots of teachers talking at me or me kind of gazing out the window and just things like that and then like fast forward to a point in my life where I'm like hang on what's going on come on yeah you're 47 now really woman you know like people tell you you're bright I feel pretty switched on I've got all these different talents and stuff but it's like what's going on why can't I just kind of consolidate everything so I can be like a proper grown-up and have all the because things that's that... that's not our vibe, though. It's not our vibe, core. We don't want to consolidate. We we cons- Why are we consolidating? Listen, that's a waste of time. What you do is, you can consolidate in pockets, I think. Yes. So you, you live in the moment, you consolidate where you're supposed to be at that particular moment in yes. time, you know, and then you give everything, you give it your all, whatever you're yes. doing at that moment in time, and then you move on to the next thing. And you We know, are project growing. People. We are core and we're growing and we're learning and we're blossoming all the time. And I'm a late bloomer, you know, so I embrace all of that anyway. So, um, (laughs) So it's something where learning all these things, reflecting on these things, being honest, um, doing my yoga every single morning, Uh eating a lot healthier, taking better care of myself. um, But also just being more, yeah, opening up my mind more. As I said, you know, I've read loads of different books. um, What have you read though? Oh, well, I've read uh, Don't Forget Your Crown by Derek Jackson. Mm-hmm. I read uh, Should I Stay or Should I Go, which is about narcissism by Dr. Ramani Devasala. Mm-hmm. I also read by her uh, straight after that, 
uh, what was it called now? It was called Don't You Know Who I Am, which mm-hmm. is all about narcissism and incivility in our society. Fascinating. I hope everyone's listening to these. I hope you're all taking notes. So, so, so good. Then I read um, uh, A Woman's Influence by Tony and Cherie Gaskins. Mm-hmm. Then I dipped into the father-daughter talk by R.C. Blakes, but I'm going to go back to that one. Then I started, uh, gosh, what was the other one? I, I've just finished it and I've restarted it again. I'm looking at it now. It's next to the bar. Oh. The Untethered Soul by okay. Michael Singer. And that is fantastic. Um, and then I've also started, but I've got to go back to B.J. Boggs, which is Tiny Things or Tiny Habits. So that's about how to change your habits. So reading everything that I've done, and I've still got, you know, like about, I think another six books that I ordered that I'm yet to kind of go through. Um, so all now, of those there things. there is a reading list for our listeners. I'd be happy to put one together, Cor. I really have got a nice wide range of books that, yes, will be keeping me warm in either <laughs> the second wave or winter, whichever comes yes, first. Yeah, whichever one comes. <laughs> Yes, although not quit. Let's see. Let's keep our fingers crossed and our masks on. So, um, yes, yeah, so I um, I definitely do feel that all of that has helped my mental health. I'm the happiest I've ever been in my adult life. Um, Amazing. Yeah, and I just feel really open and, and just excited. Even though I'm 51, I have such enthusiasm and excitement for life that I just, I feel like I've still, like the best is yet to come you know, and that's because of all the work that I've been doing and just this time that I've had over lockdown. We've had some sad moments, of course, but equally I feel that it's made me more resilient. So I'm grateful for it, it's been good. And that is a beautiful moment to close, Di. Um, I just have one more question and that question is, do you have a question for me before we go? Oh, that's a really good question, Cor. <laughs> Which is why I never tell people I'm going to ask yeah. it. Yeah, and I should have known that from Janine's podcast. I should have had, I should have remembered that. All right. So she asked you about where you'd be in five years' time or when you're 50. I remember that. Mm-hmm. And I loved your answer to that. What I would like to know is how would you like to help someone? Like, what's the biggest thing? you would like to be able to help someone with and it could be someone in your life or someone that you don't know what would you love to do um i would love them to understand and believe how much talent um they have like my my thing with neuron everything that i do with regards to coaching or mentoring that is i don't want you to want me or need me after a certain period of time like I want people to treat me or other mentors the same way that you treat school, nursery, university. You're only in nursery for a certain amount of years. Then you go on to school, then secondary school, then college, then university. So what I want to give people is the keys to themselves. And some people may view that as like arrogant or narcissistic or like, oh, you think you can do that? No, like that's all of our jobs. That's what we're here to do. We're here to to like help other people and if i've got to a place i'm not at the end by no means but i'm at a point where i have like acquired some keys and i've managed to unlock some doors so what i want to do is just hand keys over to people who i believe already have them but they just don't know what pocket they're in 
Lovely. That that is fantastic. That's so <laughs> so 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 good, core. And you're absolutely right. And that is why you are a coach because a coach is someone who guides someone. You're at, and that was such a beautiful analogy as well. It was perfect about having the keys, and it was very. Like I could imagine it because I'm a very visual person. Yeah. So I was like, oh, searching around because I often do search my keys. Like, oh, here they are. That's brilliant. That and that is, it's a very. That's you're absolutely right. That's what we are all on this earth to do to find our purpose. And once you find your purpose, it is a beautiful thing. And and you know, it's, I, I very much like Buddhism as well. And I think it's about you know, you follow that noble eightfold path about the different kind of things, about the right concentration, right focus right um sorry i can't remember the other six but they're all good you can google them and it's just really about yeah. finding your purpose and you have found yours and that's actually, why you're where you're at you know you, you're and so you are empowering people the people that you coach that come along to, to track mafia i see their enthusiasm <laughs> so, you know you're, you're doing that already core and you'll just continue to you're continuing to do it every single day so yeah that's that's a very um worthy and noble and admirable thing that you want thank you very much Di. um now to my listeners please um these are not queued up questions or queued up answers <laughs> these these are real on the spot questions and real on the spot answers we're not queuing people up to ask me questions so i can say nice things like these are things that come from the heart um, mm -hmm. and the mind um, so, Diane, where can people find you on like social media, Instagram? Where can they find you? Mm. Well, you see, another book that I started reading was about deleting your social media accounts <laughs> <laughs> by Jared Lenier. So, so I'm kind of like, social media. <laughs> well, yeah, kind of. I'm kind of. I, I dabble a bit in Insta, but I'm not so devoted to it these days. So, but certainly on Twitter, I will. I'll dip in every now awesome. and then. And, and I'm where dying. can they find you on Twitter? Um, I'm Di underscore Larry, L-A-R-R-I, 31. Awesome. Di, um, it was a pleasure talking to you. You've been an amazing guest. You've been an awesome friend over the years and a mentor. We didn't mention this before, but the training that you used to train people on, I was on one of the courses that you trained. Um, so oh, thank you. I forgot that thank call. You. You yes. Thank, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Di, I'm going to disconnect. Ladies, All right. All right, gents, James. everybody, thank you for listening. I will see you in final thoughts. So that's just the end of the show, guys. So I'll stop the recording. Okay. And I will come out of this because this will. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for tuning in to the last episode of the Tub Hub. Welcome to Final Thoughts. Firstly, want to say a big thank you for tuning in. And secondly, a big thank you to the ever amazing Miss Diane Larrington for joining me Tubside. Now, there were loads of things that we discussed in that podcast, but two things that I really, really, really want you to all think about 
Firstly, how underappreciated black women are and how much they do. Just think about that for a little bit. Diane said, women hold up half the sky. And it's tiring. So let's just think about showing a little bit of appreciation. A little bit more appreciation. Some real appreciation. For what our mothers do. For what our sisters do. For what people's wives, aunties, daughters. Just think about what it is that they do for a minute. And what they have been doing. And what you have done. To show appreciation. And understanding. Of what it takes. To raise a village. Whilst looking after yourself. Just think about that for a minute. Now one other thing that I wanted to. To talk about. Was how openly. We were talking about. Counselling and. Seeking assistance and therapy and. Like, why is it that we MOT everything else? Like, we talk about diet, talk about nutrition, talk about sleep. But the moment you talk about looking after your mind, everyone goes, Oh my goodness, I can't talk about that stuff. Well, why not? That's my question. That's my question. And one final thought. Do you believe we are governed by narcissists? I think we are. Thanks for listening. Stay smiling. Stay positive. And ask for help.